Welcome to the MS Dev Show, episode number 76. This week, I go on location at Microsoft with Nicole Birdie to talk about the public preview of the Azure IoT suite, and we cover this week's big hardware announcements. This episode of the MS Dev Show is brought to you by Infragistics. Their developer toolkits provide world-class controls targeting Windows, Web, iOS, Android, Xamarin Forms, and more. Whether you're an individual developer or part of an enterprise team, they have something for you. Check out the latest today at infragistics.com. This week, we have Nicole Birdie. She's a PM on the Azure IoT team, and she does puzzle hunts. How's it going, Nicole? It's going fine. How are you doing, Jason? Doing good. Do you want to tell us what a puzzle hunt is? Yeah. So a puzzle <laughs> hunt is a series of puzzles that teams solve to compete. And oftentimes, they're organized in kind of a tree structure. So you solve maybe five to 10 puzzles, and you use the answers from those puzzles to solve the meta puzzle to that round. And <laughs> Anytime often, you use the phrase meta puzzle, we know it's getting serious. Uh, some puzzle hunts <laughs> can be entire weekend deals. Mm-hmm. Um, so that each, in, in addition to just having a meta puzzle, you have multiple rounds like that, and then you use all these meta puzzle answers to solve what's called the meta meta. And that generally ends the hunt. Is there like a mega puzzle at the end? Uh, yes, okay. actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> that sounds pretty cool. It sounds pretty geeky. I might be into oh, it's, that. It's, it's very geeky. It's amazing. <laughs> okay, Carl, what do we have for feedback this week? This week, we got an email from Ryan Miller. Uh, he said, uh, thanks for the show. He began listening to new episodes last spring, and he just finished the back catalog as well. Uh, even on rare occasions when the main topic isn't of interest to him, the extended news and current events section always makes it worthwhile. Um, he also has a question for us. He says, the company he works for is rolling out a new employee agreement that includes a very broad section around invention and intellectual property. He knows their intent isn't to stifle personal innovation, but it's written in such a way that uh, he thinks it might. Um, how do our companies that we work for deal with invention so that it protects corporate interests while allowing employees to do things like push apps to mobile stores or office stores or collaborate on open source projects? Yeah, so that was that was a really good question. So I think he's I think he's got a valid reason to be sort of scared of them putting a policy in place. Um you know, I, I can understand why they're doing that, but also I think he should talk to them and, and, and figure out some way to, to find, you know, except exception exceptions or some middle ground where you can still do things. Cause I think side projects have a ton of value. I mean, there's a lot of companies that, that really, um, you know, promote side projects, including Microsoft, you know, so we have different hack events uh, throughout the year that we do where we're encouraged to like explore different areas. And then we also have a, basically a moonlighting policy in place where you can um, disclose that you're working on a certain app. And as long as it's, it's not, you know, uh, using code or, or, you know, going to compete with anything that, that the company does. If it's something completely separate, let's say you're doing a, a fart app on, on iPhone or something, um, then that would, you know, fall under that, that moonlighting provision. And that kind of stuff should be allowed because you shouldn't, you shouldn't just hold people back for no reason. Cause guess what? They're going to go to a different company, um, or they're just going to do it anyway and not tell you. So I'm not sure, you know, you just started a new company, Carl. I'm not sure how they do it. Yeah. So the company that I work for has a non-compete clause that's in there. So I can't do anything that directly, you know, goes against what I do as my day-to-day job, but I'm a consultant. So I can't go out and write software on behalf of people that would be the kind of clients that my department works for. Yeah, that makes Um, sense. I think that's really what they're, that's what every company is trying to do, right? They don't want you to compete with them or help the, help the competition. Yeah. So, uh, uh, they did give me the option if I wanted to put a few exceptions in there because, you know, just because I do do a lot outside of work, um, you know, I have a ton of different things I do, including the show as obvious, uh, should be yeah, obvious. A good point. Um, but you know, as long as I'm not doing anything that would 
basically be taking clients or money away from them. I can do uh, nearly anything in an intellectual space. Okay, pretty cool. So what does Ryan get for emailing us? He gets an Infragistics Ultimate license. And uh, once again, he emailed us. You could hit us up on Facebook, on Twitter. Twitter. Our email address is feedback at msdevshow.com in case you have forgotten. Our Twitter address is msdevshow. And you can hit us up on uh, Facebook at facebook.com slash msdevshow. So anywhere that you can find or search for msdevshow, you'll find us. Just put it into Google. Okay, perfect. The only news that we want to talk about this week is the Microsoft hardware announcement. So there was a huge pile of hardware announcements. <laughs> so I didn't, uh, I only watched portions of it cause I was, uh, I was a little busy. Um, but I assume you watched the whole thing straight through Carl. Yes. I watched the whole thing straight through okay. and it was actually kind of amazing, uh, I- event, you know, how, it, how it was structured. Yeah, let's let's jump into the products that the, that we're talked about. So obviously the the Surface Pro Four, everybody was expecting that. Um, it's re- you know similar form factor. I should say it's identical form factor, right, to the Surface Pro Three. Well, its exterior measurements are identical. However, yeah. the form factor is slightly different. Um, it's the screen is 0.3 inches bigger, which means that they got rid of the Windows button that was there. So oh, uh, that's interesting. So the bezel is a little bit smaller. It'll still fit in your dock. Okay. There's also a new dock, which is also compatible with the Surface Pro 3. So you could, uh, that goes either way. Okay. Um, so some of the specs that are, are really nice is they now offer up to 16 gigs of RAM. I know which that was awesome in a device that tiny and a terabyte hard drive. Yeah. So <laughs> that's pretty, that's pretty awesome. And then one thing that surprised us was a Surface laptop. So not just a tablet, but a laptop. Uh, but you'll have to explain to me, Carl, cause this thing, it looks like you can split this thing in two, right? Yes. So, uh, first of all, it's, it's a larger screen on this. This is a 13 and a half inch screen. Mm -hmm. So, um, and it's got a unique hinge on there that you can detach the the actual, uh, monitor from it, the display, and you have a, you have a tablet, um, in, in the dock that's underneath the the keyboard that's left behind, there's a, a GPU and extra battery. So you're not going to get quite the battery when you have it pulled out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's really meant for, you know, those kind of, uh, take off show things, be a little bit more collaborative. Um, when you want to put it down into, uh, the keyboard again, you can actually put it in backwards and now it's, uh, with the I screen facing that. up, you can put it, you can put it in screen facing up. And then, uh, what you get from that is now you can write on it and draw on it. Uh, you know, did you see probably really good for Nicole? artists. Yeah, I did. It looks yeah. pretty sweet. It looks interesting. I want to see how that hinge portion works. Cause that looks like a really interesting yeah. design. So if you rewatch the announcement, they actually showed some of the internals of it. So they got like memory wire. That's, you know, a complex wire and, and, and spring and hinges mm-hmm. that'll, okay. that'll hold in place. So yeah, it, it, it's really cool. I, I don't think many people anticipated that device at all. Yeah. Well, everybody wanted one, but we weren't expecting one. <laughs> so this thing is three pounds. And again, with the specs up to 16 gigs of RAM on this as well, terabyte hard drive. I think that's pretty cool that you can have the GPU in the, in the keyboard. Um, because with, with, uh, having a, a separate GPU, GPUs suck up power. So having that along with that battery, and then also probably in the situations where you actually have the thing docked, um, it makes sense to activate that and get the better graphics performance. And then whenever it's undocked, um, to get, you know, still good graphics performance, but you're not sucking up all that power, uh, 12 hours of advertised battery life. And it still does have the touchscreen and the pen support and all that good stuff, which is pretty neat. And to talk about the pen, the pen is redesigned as well. Um, it has an eraser that you can use as an eraser. 
which uh, there was quite a few jabs at Apple for that one. And <laughs> I didn't uh, realize it, that they had a working <laughs> eraser now. Yes. So you can flip it around and use it as an eraser. And they said it's even textured to feel like an eraser on the screen. So it's like erasable pen. Exactly. It's not a pencil. It's an erasable pen. No. And it's also <laughs> magnetic. So you can just, you know, attach it to the side anywhere on the side of the surface. Very cool. And then you, so uh, let's talk phone. So you said you saw the 950 XL in person. Yes. Yeah, so if you go to uh, most of the Microsoft stores already have all of these devices in stock, actually. Yeah. I, I um, heard that today that they have all of them to look at. Yeah. And I had actually had a reason to be at the Microsoft store already and uh, they didn't, they had all of the devices, but they only had the 950 XL out and they had quite a few of them actually. Um, So if you're interested in what uh, that looks like or how it's going to interact, you know, I suggest try to find one if you're close to one. I know not a lot of you are, but for those who can, you know, it's definitely something you might not think of otherwise. Okay. I'm going to go check it out tomorrow night. Yeah. Um, The the big thing with the phone is uh, I, that they showed was continuum. They showed the right. dock that it shows with. And I mean, the guy who they had for this just gave an amazing demo, uh, showing the multitasking, uh, being able to hook up USB sticks through the dock into your phone. Yeah. Um, I mean, essentially you have a laptop on your phone. So Nicole, are you going to throw away your laptop and just use a phone with continuum? No, <laughs> I, I need the processing power for my puzzle yeah. nuts. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I, you know, Carl and I've talked about this before. I'm not continuum looks really cool. I'm still trying to, I'm, I'm waiting for scenarios where companies will have like the, the docs for them, you know, where it's like commonplace enough where I can be like, okay, I'm going to this building or to this meeting and all I need to bring is my phone. And I know that the right facility is going to be there. So it'd be interesting here at like Microsoft campus. If, if in the conference rooms, they're going to have like the doc set up or something. So I could just go in there and do a PowerPoint or whatever. Uh, so we'll have to see if, uh, if that's the case. Well, it'll be cool with accessory, uh, interesting with accessory makers as well. Are they going to make like a laptop like dock that you could just slide your phone into? Yeah. Yeah. That'll be interesting. Yeah. That's a good question. Uh, and then let's talk about HoloLens because everybody, you know, it's, it's funny everywhere I go. Um, I was at a, I was actually at an IOT, uh, working group down in Madison. It was for the, the UW, uh, University of Wisconsin, Madison. And, um, so is everybody talking about IOT in, in general terms and every single person they saw, you know, on my badge, it said Microsoft, all they asked me about was the, was the HoloLens. <laughs> so they're like, can we get one? You know, is it good? What's the deal? So, so what did we announce, Carl? So the developer edition is coming out in first quarter of next year Yeah, uh, for $3,000 yeah. and uh, you can sign up now. Um, we'll have a link to that in the show notes. Um, I can't remember what is off the top of my head and we don't have it here right now, but uh, you fill out a small form and out of the people that are there, they're going to handpick a few. Um, it's not first come first serve or anything. Yeah. I noticed that when I was filling out, I was disappointed. <laughs> yeah. So it makes know, sense I, though. I, I, you know, for putting it out there, I did fill out the form. So I'm, I am hoping very much to get picked because, um, you know, I do That'd think really that cool. there are a lot of really cool uses out there for them. Yep. So sounds like Q1, uh, the people that get picked will get their hands on that. Um, yeah, that looks, that looks pretty cool. And then the last thing we want to talk about was uh, band V2. Um, so I'm a big, uh, band user. And, um, so this one looks, you know, it's more comfortable. looks like the materials are a little bit, um, you know, more advanced on this one. And now it has, uh, it looks like a, I don't know if altimeter and barometer are the same thing, but it, it's able to, uh, to, you know, tell elevation and, and tell you stair count and things like that. So that was a, the 11th sensor on it. 
Um, the other thing that I think is huge that not a lot of people are talking about, it has the AMOLED screen. So what does that give you? Well, so, so V1 was LCD and like I use watch mode on mine so I can always see the time on mine. I don't have to touch it or, you know, do anything to it. I can always see the time LCD, um, burns a ton of power doing that. Um, so, you know, that two day advertised battery life, whenever you put it into watch mode, uh, just plummets, uh, horrifically with a, with an OLED screen, uh, basically the pixels that are turned on is really all it needs power for. That's the magic behind like the, uh, the glance screen on windows phone is they can activate the, those pixels to show you the time and your appointments and things like that without using really any power. Um, because it's only, you know, basically powering the light with a, with an LCD display, there's literally like an array of LEDs or the older screens where the was like fluorescent tubes behind the screen and they're blocking the light. So if you're showing a black screen, it just, it, it pulls, you know, still the full amount of power. Um, so I think that's kind of a breakthrough. I'm thinking that that watch mode on the new one, and I, I have nothing to substantiate this, but my guess is that battery, that it's, it's worth it to just keep that on by default, the, the watch mode there, there won't be much of an impact in battery life. But I'm not promising that and I don't work on the band team. (laughs) So, you know, I think we glossed over it a little bit, but this thing is a lot rounder. On the previous one, they had a few kind of corners (laughs) to it and it it didn't really fit quite to, you know, your wrist because it was being flat for the screen side of it. Yeah. So the, so the screen is actually curved as well. And the, uh, the actual uh, band part of the band itself is also more flexible, whereas the current one's a little bit stiff. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the interesting things is they move the uh, the battery port from being right on the backside of the screen down to underneath the clasp. So okay. that's been moved around quite a bit as well. That's probably a good change. Yeah. It, it, was that at the uh, Microsoft store as well? No. Oh, that's what I really want to see. Actually, you know what? I, I think I know. I think I know some people. I think I can uh, <laughs> check. I think I could check that out tomorrow either way. Um, oh, and then the, I guess the, the bad news I think on the band V2 is that instead of being 150 bucks, it's 250 now. Well, which is... the original one was what? 200 though. Oh, was it? Yes. Because oh, there was okay. a price. Low, it came down afterward. Okay. Okay. But still, I don't know. 250 bucks. That's, that's pretty steep. Uh, yeah. Cause it's not a smartwatch. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, well, it, yeah. So it's, uh, that just makes it a little bit more challenging. I wonder if that's just a, you know, um, to, to hold back the demand a little bit in the, in the beginning. Cause it's hard to ramp up manufacturing for any kind of device like this. Um, okay. So let's get to the important part here, which is talking to Nicole about the IOT suite and IOT hubs and, and all of that good stuff. Um, so Nicole, I'm, I'm curious if we should talk about the, um, existing Azure IOT services, because even before the IOT suite was announced and before you guys went into, you know, private and public preview, there's like a whole bunch of services in Azure. So I don't know if there, if there's anything, any general IOT services that you want to talk about in Azure first to sort of lay the foundation. Yeah. So when you think about how, about IOT services, what you should also kind of have in the back of your mind is what are you going to be doing with your services? What is the overall flow of data from your device to whatever business logic you want to run on this data uh, and what is available in Azure to provide it. So obviously, first step is to get that data into the cloud. And so you need some sort of uh, event ingester. Mm -hmm. So what we announced last week that's now available in uh, public preview, you can go to portal.azure.com and create one yourself, is IoT Hub. And IoT Hub, and I know you said you wanted to talk about what's 
currently out there, but uh, well, all bad. this stuff's related. So. Yeah. So um, IoT Hub is a bidirectional event ingester that has a concept of device identity, and so you can register your devices, and only devices that are registered with the hub can send data, and likewise, you can send commands to those devices via the hub as well. Uh, so that's in a public preview. And we also have an existing GA service called Event Hubs that's often used for telemetry ingestion and other things that have a whole large number of events, but you don't really care where the data comes from. It's just all the data that you need is in the event itself. And that's one direction, uh, a single direction, but it's used all over the place. And in fact, we here at Microsoft are using that uh, internally for a lot of our telemetry collection as well. So once you've got your data into the hub, the next question is, okay, well, I want to do some sort of analytics on my stream. Mm -hmm. So we have Azure Stream Analytics, which is a a homegrown feature or a homegrown service. Uh, We also have HD Insights and I think Spark as well that run on Azure. Uh, And so from there, you can do some analytics. The basics that you do from there is, okay, you do some basic analytics, you put it into some sort of storage, like blob storage, like a database. uh, And then we have a whole large variety of different storage options available on Azure as well. Uh, You can also do more fun things where, okay, you've got this data, you've analyzed this data, you want to see the data. Uh, You can pipe it from Stream Analytics directly into Power BI and then play around with that data and produce charts and graphs that really kind of show you what you can do with your data and give you that visualization that allows a human to then act upon whatever your data is showing you. Yeah, I think that paints a good picture because, you know, what we what we had before was we did have a way of getting data in and we did have a way of, you know, processing that data and storing it. And we had all of those services. But like you mentioned, what was missing was the. Uh, the ability to actually like understand what a device is instead of just having it come and say, uh, you know, we, we could accept its data in a secure way, but now you can actually know, um, you know, hey, my my device name is is Nicole. And like before you even send anything to me, like I know who you are. We've already talked. We've already established that that trust relationship. Um, so that that's what I like about it is it fits in with all these these other existing services that we've already been using. It just adds to, to that whole piece of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, yeah, I'm curious, like how easy is it to get started with this thing? I've seen, I've seen a couple different paths into this. So if I'm, if I sort of have an idea of what I'm doing with IOT, how do I actually get started? So it, it kind of depends on what stage of the implementation process you're in. If you already have some sort of IOT like uh, solution already deployed and it's using event hubs because IOT hub wasn't out till last week, mm-hmm. you should be able to swap that uh, that event hub out for an IOT hub fairly easily. Uh, IOT hub comes pre-configured with uh, what we're calling an event hub compatible endpoint because you can use anything that's connecting to an event hub. You just give it the string to that IOT hub and it can connect just fine. No no okay. changes required. That's awesome. Uh, so, so that's if you already have something deployed. Yeah. If you kind of know what you want to do but you don't have anything actually done, maybe you're looking at doing a, a proof of concept for some different type of IoT scenario, uh, that's where the IoT suite comes in. And you can think of the IoT suite kind of like a starter kit where we've done the 80% of you know creating all these services, hooking them together for you, and then you do that additional 20% that's unique to your scenario. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, you know, in the past, I've always taken, I've always taken these services and I've, you know, said, oh, it's instantiate this and this and this. And we've had different recipes and samples out there so that it automates some of that for you. Carl, I got to interrupt this for just a second. And I want to talk about Infragistics. Yeah, if you comment uh, on Facebook, on Twitter, on our website, you have a chance to win the ultimate license from Infragistics. And this is pretty cool because it covers a lot of stuff. Um, They have controls for Android, iOS, Windows Phone, Windows 8, ASP.NET, MVC, WPF, 
jQuery HTML5, just tons of stuff. And they even have stuff for Xamarin Forms. So if you're trying to hit all three major mobile platforms with one, they got controls to help you out there. If you need tabular stuff uh, with their grids, they got really cool controls to help make that look uh, just really sharp. Charting, gauges, barcodes, it's all pretty simple using their controls. And if you just have some uh, simple prototyping needs, they have a product called Indigo Studio too. It lets you get that prototype done so you can show this to the stakeholders and you know sell your ideas. Yeah, what I love about that, you can just send them a link and they can actually navigate through the app. But uh, like you mentioned earlier, all of these controls across all these different platforms, this is great. I mean, most people don't just develop one type of app now. So being able to, to go and use these controls in every type of app all under one ultimate license is is really big plus. If we don't select you uh, each week, you could try again next week. And if you can't wait, they have free demos. So you can try it out for a month, download the demos and try it today. Yeah, check it out at infragistics.com. They're a free trial, so you have nothing to lose. And remember, each week, if we pick your comment on the show, you get the ultimate edition for free, which includes everything. We thank them for their support of the MS Dev Show. So, you know, we've been talking about public preview, private preview, all that kind of stuff. So maybe we should like take a step back and explain Mm -hmm. what that means, because I know the IoT suite was announced months ago. And then now we say it's in public preview. So what does public preview mean? So public preview means is that you can go out there and instantiate an instance of these services and play with it yourself uh, and give us feedback because we we want to hear if it's working or not Mm -hmm. working for you. And that's what it means by public preview. It's public availability. Uh, You can go, uh, I can go on my uh, my personal Azure account, Mm -hmm. spin up an IoT hub and play around with it for a home automation scenario. If I want to play around with some maker boards that I have at home uh, to to see if I, what I can do in my apartment, then I can do that on my own time without having to use any special sauce Microsoft logins. Uh, and that's and then when we go GA, that's where it's it's more final. Um, and there, there'll be more features that we add, obviously, along the way between public preview, which is now, to when we GA. Okay. So if I was already building my, my own IoT solution, let's say, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't paying attention and I was building you know, my IoT solution using all of these Azure services. Um, is the suite still going to help me? Because I know that you can go in there and and the, it'll walk you through creating some of these solutions. You know, there's sort of these pre-built solutions. Um, should I, you know, sort of put on the brakes and start looking at that? Or, you know, what what's the best path forward there? Yeah, it, I mean, how in this scenario, <laughs> how far are you in implementing this? Because if you've already spun up your different uh, services and hooked them together, yeah. then that's, that's already quite a bit of what the suite does for okay. you. So you're most of the way there yourself. So I would recommend just sticking in the course for what you've already planned out. Maybe take, give IoT Hub a look if you haven't already. Okay. But other than that, um, you've already done most of what Suite does. Okay, that makes sense. So I'd probably just want to layer in the IoT Hub with what I have. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So what exactly is the IoT Suite as uh, just came out this week? Yeah, so IoT Suite is a collection of pre-configured solutions, which will... Uh, kind of target different core scenarios that we feel are very common across IoT to do that big chunk of work that's common to anybody who wants to do something like predictive maintenance. There's a lot of things to predictive maintenance that if you're trying to do it and I'm trying to do it, we're both going to be reinventing the wheel at the same time. So 
you might as well get that out of the gate. And so what IoT Suite's pre-configured solutions does is that gives you that to you. So you can just focus on what's actually the interesting part about your IoT solution rather than, okay, well, I've got to have this database. I've got to spin up this database. I've got to hook this up to that. And kind of some of the basic plumbing that's laying the groundwork to really get started on the good stuff. Mm -hmm. I think, Carl, what we'll have to do, we'll have to include a, a link in the show notes to, um, you know, basically to the front page of that thing. Cause it, it has a really nice interface where it, it, it you know, as we ask you what you're doing, what type of device you're using, you know, those types of things. And then, and it basically walks you through that. So, so I would say for anybody who hasn't done anything with IOT, like there's no better time because it's, you know, it's kind of uh, paint by numbers at this point uh, to at least, you know, sort of leap forward and, and get things up and running. So we'll, we'll include a, a link to, in the show notes to that so that you can get up and running pretty quickly. So what are the kind of paths that the data will take once it's in the cloud? So uh, you're going to get tired of me answering this, <laughs> like answering with this answer, but it, it really depends on what you're trying to do. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times what you might want to do is just get that data from the devices into some database to do more intense analysis on later. And in that case, the path would go from your device to the IoT hub and from there to stream analytics and into blob storage or whatever database of choice you have. Yeah, so if I have a if I have a thermostat at home and I just I just want to go look at like what what was the temperature historical temperature in my house, you know, like I that I could just use that storage mechanism and go back and look at it. Exactly. And that's kind of the simplest version of that that you can get. Mm -hmm. If you want to do more complicated things, like, for example, if you want to send an alert every time that your house gets above a certain temperature, yeah. like, or maybe below a certain temperature, because you're in Wisconsin and I hear pipe well, freezing is I was a gonna problem. Say, I was going to say, I have the alert part, part taken care of. Yeah. So, <laughs> so if you want to find out, like, maybe before your pipes burst, you can... Uh, Maybe you have a rule in stream analytics that will then add a, a message to a service bus queue. And then you just look at the service bus queue of your high priority, you know, things I really need to go act on now, now, now. Yeah. And then, then, you know, you've added service bus into the mix and you can just add on different things depending on the scenario. And you can kind of think of it like Legos. You've, you've built your simple house and then, well, maybe you want to have an addition for your, mm -hmm. your Lego family. And so you build on your addition out of these Azure building blocks. And then, oh, well, we want to do this other thing. So you add on some a little bit more of an addition with your Azure building blocks. Mm -hmm. And then I think the third data path then is that that hot path analytics. I don't know if we want to get into that. That's when things start to get interesting. Yeah. So <laughs> so the hot path analytics is where you don't really have like you you might or might not have a human in the way. Mm -hmm. uh, you say, oh, this data point is so bad. We need a, to do something immediately. And that's where you might automate have an automated process that checks for that condition and then will send a message back through IoT Hub saying, hey, device, whatever you're doing, you should stop or give me give me more data or yeah. whatever the reaction that you want out of that device. Mm -hmm. I mean, you'll have to program that into the device, yeah. but tell it, okay, you know, initiate the emergency code. Yeah, <laughs> that's a that's a pretty cool way of uh, of putting it. Um, is there any so you know I'm just thinking kind of a, the the end to end scenario. We have a device that's that's talking you know either it's talking either through something or it's talking to the cloud, and then we have this whole uh, you know stream that we've talked about afterward where it goes through stream analytics and maybe it gets stored somewhere. Um, if we look at the device itself, 
Um, is there any logic, you know, like what actually runs on that device before that data gets sent up to the cloud? Like what is, what does that look like? So I have, let's say I have a Raspberry Pi mm-hmm. and like what, what actually runs on that device then? Yeah. So uh, I hear Raspberry Pis can take all sorts of operating systems, uh, including yep. Win10 IoT, but yep. also uh, other distros of Linux, for example. I've never heard and, of this Linux. What is that? Uh, <laughs> I'm just seriously? kidding. <laughs> um, so I'm not going to answer that part of the question. But <laughs> no, I so, love Linux. So the, the great thing about IoT Hub and kind of the the direction that Azure IoT is taking is that we don't really care what's on your device mm-hmm. or as long as your device can talk to the hub or talk to the cloud, then that's great and we want to we wanna listen. And so we provided a variety of device SDKs that will allow you to kind of pick your hardware, pick your OS, and then use that SDK in order to connect your device to the cloud. Mm-hmm. And it, it's not like you must use you know this OS with this language. It's really whatever you want. Yeah. Yeah. That's what's, that's, what's really amazing about it. I think so. Like, yeah, like you said, I mean, it could, it could even be a device that we haven't seen because like whenever you get into manufacturing, uh, they start to make their own devices, right. Things that we haven't yeah. even seen before. So being able to run, um, you know, a subset of that code on there and, and really bootstrap your whole setup, I think is really valuable. Yep. Yeah. So security and IoT has kind of historically had a bad reputation. How do we secure communications with these kind of devices? Yeah, so that's where the the whole identity aspect of IoT Hub comes into mm-hmm. play, where if if the IoT Hub does not know about your device, then we don't talk to it and we don't listen to it either. So it's if I have 10 devices in my my smart home setup and I'm getting information from 11, then I know that one of those is not one that I've personally deployed. And mm-hmm. so then I can say, okay, well, which one is one that's not currently in my identity store? And that one is the one that I is probably from an attacker or maybe my neighbor across the way who isn't really clear what he's doing for maybe his smart home setup. But he, uh, or then I can go and say, okay, well, I know that because of my identity store, only the devices I know about are able to connect. Yeah, that, that's a that's a really good point too. Because if you going back to the thermostat example, we'll just keep reusing that one because I think it's something that everybody can relate to, even though it's relatively uninteresting for you know so many scenarios. But you know, if you had if those thermostats were talking directly to you as a human through you know whatever mechanism, let's say they were uh, it was Bluetooth to your phone or something like that, um, or they you know somehow they just connected via Wi-Fi randomly. If that eleventh eleventh device was talking to you, you wouldn't really you personally wouldn't have a way to know that it wasn't lying to you, right? So having having that identity store, I think, is is important because you're having sort of a third party that's already gone through that whole security negotiation stand in there. And I know Clemens Vassers talks about that a lot, you know, like, would you rather have, you know, a million tiny unprotected, uh, or I shouldn't say even say unprotected, but, you know, semi-protected devices um, that are all like talking to each other and can talk to anybody, or would you rather have, you know, basically a, a cloud or, or, you know, basically um, a whole bunch of processing power that's able to, you know, confirm the identity and handle some of that for you? Yeah, and I think it's also worth noting that that's a two-way street. Well, I only can listen to the devices that I know about. Similarly, an attacker can't talk to my devices unless it's going through my IoT hub. Yeah. Because the devices themselves will say, oh, well, that's coming. That's not coming from the endpoint I know to listen on, so I... I don't know what to do with that, so I'm going to ignore it. Yeah, that was the other thing I wanted to bring up was sort of the the, the outbox pattern for how you can send. So if we let's say we want to change the temperature on the on the thermostat, um, do you want to talk about that a little bit? How you actually securely send that a command? Yeah. So um, 
Sorry, I, I am a very visual thinker, so I'm visualizing how, how that would <laughs> work. Right. So, so basically, you'd have whatever process cloud process is mm-hmm. um, wants to change the temperature, and it sends it connects to the IoT hub on the cloud to device endpoint, saying, "Okay, send a, a command device one two three, which is our thermostat, mm-hmm. saying change the temperature." And by the way, I want an ACK when when the device gets my message. Mm-hmm. And so the IoT hub goes, "Okay, great. I know how to connect to device one two three." via my identity store. Mm-hmm. And what happens then is device 123 then listens on the clouded device endpoint that's on its side and says, oh, hey, there's a new message for me. I'm going to pick that up. Mm-hmm. And then once the device collects that message, then IoT Hub will send that act back to the original uh, cloud process that's making that request so that it knows, okay, it got the message that we're changing the temperature. I don't have to send any more messages saying, hey, have you changed the temperature yet? Because it's been changed. Mm-hmm. And you know, your, your thermostat, device 123, has already changed the temperature to make your house the right temperature. Yeah, but the great part is the developer doesn't even have to think about it. I mean, they're they're saying I'm trying to talk to this device and that device might only be, you know, hopefully it's yep. only talking out. It's going out there and receiving that message like you mentioned. Uh but we didn't even have to worry about that whole complex mechanism. So, I think that alone is is kind of a a big breakthrough there. And one thing I've been giving a lot of thought to IoT security recently, not at the level that Clemens Vassar's is, but you know, I hear people saying that that like I they say that IoT is insecure, and I think a lot of that is because of the um, uh, just because of poor security practices by a whole bunch of existing examples. But you know, I was thinking about it, I'm like, you know, that's not really a fair statement. I would say that computers are insecure, <laughs> software is insecure, right? And it's it's not that it, it's not that IoT brings anything new. Uh, you know, making something insecure. As long as we follow the same practices that we've that we've learned about making things secure, then we can have that same level of security that we have today with everything else. Yeah, that's right. It's just really important to keep in mind that security isn't something you can add on layer like a yeah. layer of paint. It really has right to be. End, yep. Yeah, it really has to be there from the very beginning. I like and that a layer to, of paint. To yeah. constantly be in your in your mind when you're thinking through what you want your design to be is okay. Is this step secure? Okay, is this step secure? Is this thing secure? And just have that be kind of part of almost your mantra while coding, like security first, security first, because security by design is really the only way to do it. You can't just slap exactly. it on later and call it a, a done day. I can't buy like a sticker like I can do for like my website, like a badge that says this site is secure. I mean, you, you could, <laughs> it wouldn't really mean much. It's, it's kind of like the as seen on TV labels. You're like, okay, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so how far can I scale this thing? So, you know, I might have more than one thermostat. <laughs> right. So how, how many thermostats can I have? <laughs> All right. So, um, so keep in mind, I'm going to give you the public preview numbers. These numbers are going to go up as, as we continue going out. But, Mm -hmm. uh, today we offer IOT hub in three different tiers. We've got the free tier, which would be like for my smart home. And that one you can connect, I think it's 10 devices to it. Uh, and I forget what the message limitation is, but there's a message cap as well that I think it's like one message or two messages per device per hour or per minute. I don't know. I'd, yeah, I'd have to look it up. Yeah, it's, when I looked at it, it was pretty frequent. I mean, it's it, if you're playing around with your house, it's plenty for sure. Yeah. Uh, and then we've got two different levels of, of paid tiers. Mm-hmm. It's what our, we're calling our, our standard one and standard two tiers, which are super original names, we know. Um, <laughs> so the, the first one you can think of as kind of the low frequency tier. And that one can take 500 devices and will let you send 500,000 messages per day per IoT Hub unit. And the IoT Hub unit is kind of the the quantity of a volume through the hub that you can can buy. So you can think of it kind of like stepping stones of how much how much message throughput do you need and you buy just the amount of throughput that you need within 
the given unit. Uh, the high-frequency tier is still 500 devices, but that one can accept 1.5 million messages per device or per day. Okay. And, but like you said, you can scale that up. Like it's not that I have a limit of 500. It's just that I get them in 500, you know, we went to the store and we bought bunches of 500. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, so those are, that's the numbers for one unit of throughput. Mm -hmm. So if you want to have more either devices or more messages, then you just buy more units. And today you can buy up to 200 units of whichever tier of service that you want. So if you want 200 units of S2, so which is the high frequency, I think that works out to three. 300 million, uh, yeah, 300 million messages per day okay. if you really need that much. And again, it's 200 times 500, uh, what's it's four zero five zero ten thousand 10,000 <laughs> devices connected with okay. 200 units. So what if I had, what if I had like a million devices? I mean, yeah. would I, would I end up, I'd have to, you know, I, I, could I scale it up that far? I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's ways to handle it. Right. right. So, so, uh, this is where I said we're public preview. We're not GA just yet. Okay. We're, we're working on, on bumping that, that 10 K number up much higher because okay. of these types of scenarios. But what you could do is have multiple IOT hubs right. that each are maxed out. And that would let you do kind of a, a common presage or a common precedence in, uh, or sorry, practice in shard in messaging systems, which mm-hmm. is called sharding, which basically you distribute your message load across multiple different hubs, and then you aggregate it again in the back end. Okay, that might be a good idea anyway at that kind of scale. Yeah, you possibly. should probably if you're if you're going to do a million of those, you should probably talk to us. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and and of course, like the two hundred isn't a hard cap. If you need more, call us. Uh, we might tell you to wait till GA right mm-hmm. now, but otherwise, you know, let us know if you need more than what you can get through the portal today. Okay, very cool. So I was looking around and I saw something in the Azure Certified for IoT program. Can you tell us what this is? Yeah. So uh, earlier when Jason asked about devices that he could use and I said, oh, you know, you could use pretty much whatever mm-hmm. as long as we've got an SDK for it. And even then, I think we have some uh, some documentation around how you can modify it if it's ANSI C. Yep. So what the Certified for IoT program is, is us working with some hardware partners uh, to basically do some pre-testing for you to say that these devices running these operating systems and these combinations are ones that we've tested and know will work when connecting to IoT Hub. Okay, very cool. So I just, if I if I want to make my life easy as kind of an individual or if I'm, it's a small shop, that's yeah. probably the path I should go down. Yeah. If you haven't chosen your, your device yet, or if you just want to play around and you're like, well, you know, they're all the same, but I know I want to use IoT Hub yeah, or I know I want to use Azure. You can start looking through that list and picking the device that suits your needs and knowing that, yeah, we've, we've tested it. We know it connects. Okay. That's very cool. Um, and I think we, yeah, we did talk about the, the different pricing levels and the scale levels. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to mention? I know we, we went through it kind of quickly. Hopefully any listeners that, that have been watching the IOT space are, you know, they're interested in using this and anybody who hasn't gotten into it, like, I don't think there is a better time because it's, it's getting, it's getting so easy to, and, and I tell people this all the time. It's, it, it's, it's getting so easy, but the fact that it's easy isn't important. It's, it's easy to build out an end to end solution, but then build it up and keep adding more parts. I mean, you, you were talking about Legos before being able to plug these things together and add new pieces on there. So I don't know if there was anything else that, that was sort of really interesting to you that you wanted to talk about in real regards to IOT hub and suite. Yeah. So I, I think the, the thing I'd, I'd like to say is that if you're interested in it and this sounds like something you really want to get your hands on, uh, we've got a set of tutorials on azure.com that will walk you through the basic getting started with IoT Hub that can kind of 
walk you through how to set up either a real device or just a virtual device if you want to see how data flows from some sort of device into the cloud and then from there on uh, to other analytics. Uh, we've got some great tutorials under azure.com documentation. Look for Internet of Things IoT Hub. Uh, we can, I think I can get you guys a link that you can yeah, put, we'll in the, put in the show notes, in the yep. show notes afterwards. Okay. Yeah, it actually is pretty easy to navigate the, the documentation out there. So it's probably easy to find as well, but we will include that in the show notes. Okay, perfect. And then uh, let's see, Azure, for the Azure pick of the week, what I picked was uh, Power BI because I thought it was a great complement to the IoT suite. Because at the end of the day, you, uh, well, I, I would say going into these projects, you know, I work with partners that are building out IoT solutions. At the end of the day, you you want to do something with the data. You want to tell somebody about it or you want to give them interesting information. So I, yeah, I hate to break it to you, uh, but <laughs> here's a fun fact. Power yeah. BI is not actually built by the Azure team. Uh, we're, we're friends with them. Uh, they actually work for oh, our so office. I, so it can't be my Azure pick of the week? I, I mean, sure. We, we love Power this? BI. We're kind of adopting them. They're, they're the adopted child in our family. Okay. Like, that's, that's a good point. We, we love the Power BI folks. Okay. It's my, it's my cloud pick of the your, week. Your Azure friends pick of the week. Yeah. Well, it's, like, it's, like a, it's, clou- it's a cloud thing, right? Yeah. I go out, it's a service. Okay. Yeah. No. Power <laughs> BI is awesome. Like, I think, Carl, do you think it still counts? Eh, close enough. <laughs> yeah. Carl doesn't want to get in the middle of it. <laughs> no, so um, Power BI, so I've, I've actually done just a whole bunch of Power BI work recently. And and what's cool about it is that you can um, you can hook up things like Stream Analytics. So Stream Analytics can push to you know straight into Power BI. So you can actually view the data from the devices in real time as it's coming in. And then also whenever you store the data from these IoT devices, you can go out there and um, you can slice it and dice it. Um, it's just super, super powerful. It's all done right through the website. So if you just go to powerbi.com and and just go out there, you can actually view some of these things. And there's actually apps for all the different platforms. So it's kind of mind-boggling all the different scenarios that it works good for. And uh, they push in, I think they push a new update every week. So it gets it gets new features every week. And there's a blog out there where I was looking. They 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 blog about it once a month, and it's like a full page of new features. So it's moving really quickly. So it's a good complement to what we were talking about here. And uh, Carl, what's the app of the week? So I'm really excited about this app of the week. Um, <laughs> I I really like using Slack, and they don't have an official mobile client yet. They've got uh, one that's in beta. Uh, a good friend of mine, Atlee Hunter, has built one called Tartan. So yep. if you have a Windows phone, of course or, he did. He builds everything. Yes, he he <laughs> he does. He's got a few hundred apps. You know, just a couple. Uh, so he he's got a Windows Phone 8.1 and a Windows 10 Universal app. That uh, is a third-party Slack client, and it is really well done. I've been uh, helping him test it, so I've been excited. I've been exposed to it along the way. So uh, check it out and help support him. Okay, and dev tip of the week. Uh, I thought this was really cool. Uh, A a couple of years ago, there was uh, a way to get certified uh, for Microsoft by just having them evaluate an application of yours. And that was only for a short period of time, but it's come back now. So it's called app to cert program. And uh, what you could do is instead of taking like three to five tests in order to get a certification in micro for Microsoft, you can uh, submit an application, uh, windows phone, eight, one um, uh, windows, 10 universal or a windows store application and uh, as long as it meets, uh, meets the requirements that they're evaluating, um, that'll get you a half of the way there. And then that you take cool. one, one other test. So you submit an app, have it evaluated, take one test, and you've got a certification. We need this for Azure. This is cool. <laughs> so basically, 
you're building an app and that's like half of your certification requirement because it proves that you can do it. And looking at, at it, um, most of my apps already fulfill those requirements and the ones that don't, it's a half hour's worth of work. Okay. So you're going to get certified now. <laughs> Carl's like, no, no, thank you. <laughs> That's all right. Let's just say I'm working on other things right now. Yeah, no, I know how that goes. Uh, so Nicole, where can people find you? So I am normally at Twitter at at birdie. Okay. And you're super active out there. I am so active. Most of my posts are tech support for my previous team. Uh, but I, I do log on occasionally. I'm just, I'm, I'm a passive listener. I'm not active. Okay. And we'll have a couple different links for you on, uh, in the show notes. And, uh, also a lot of things that we talked about we'll also put in the show notes and Carl, where can people find you? You can find me at WPDevGuy.com or on Twitter at Carl Schweitzer. And you can find me at YTechie.com or on Twitter at Twitter.com slash YTechie. So, Nicole, thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about the IoT suite. Just a fun fact for you. This was the number we, we allow people to vote on topics for the show. This was the number one voted up topic. So everybody wanted to hear about this. So thank you so much for coming on here. Oh, excellent. Yeah. <laughs> no, thank you, Jason and Carl, for having me on. Be sure to subscribe by searching for MS Dev Show in your favorite podcasting app. Leave us a review at iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, or your podcast aggregator of choice. Visit us at msdevshow.com where you can leave comments, check out our links, show notes, and more. Visit us on Facebook at facebook.com slash msdevshow. You can send us your comments and feedback directly to feedback at msdevshow.com. 